Welcome to The Brave Files. Did you know that October is Bullying Prevention Month? Today, we're talking to best-selling author Tracy Maxfield about her international work to reduce bullying and destigmatize mental health issues. We talk about how incredibly important it is to be an upstander when it comes to bullying. It's not okay to be a bystander. We also talk about how mental health issues, suicide, and bullying in our kids has become a global epidemic. Honestly, everyone just wants to be loved and to know that they're valued in the world. Trust me, if you're a parent or you're at all invested in the next generation, you're going to want to stay with us for this important conversation. I can't believe it's October already, but that means it's time to begin creating our gratitude episode, which is released annually on Thanksgiving here in the United States. This episode is all about you, our listeners. It's your chance to share what you're most grateful for from the past year and to celebrate it with our entire Brave community. We've made it super easy for you this year. All you have to do is call us at 312-646-0205 and leave a message. That's literally it. So when you call, please be sure to leave your name and where you're from, and then just tell us what you're most grateful for. We'll include as many people as possible in the final episode. And today's episode is dedicated to one of our Patreon supporters, Karenza Butler, and her wife, Alicia, and their daughter, Kenna. They also happen to be special friends, so thank you so much to them. We love you, and we appreciate you being part of our brave family. Listeners, we cannot produce this awesome show and grow in the ways that we're excited to do without your love and support. If you haven't already joined us on Patreon, please take a moment to visit patreon.com slash bravefiles. Again, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash bravefiles to see which tier is right for you and join us to help build a movement of bravery all over the world. Inspiring, hopeful, surreal. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Welcome to the Brave Files, everyone. This is your host, Heather Vickery. I am delighted you are here with us today and you're in for a real treat. Today's guest, Tracy Maxfield, is just a really incredible woman who's doing really important work. She embarked on a new life journey. She sold her home, donated most of her possessions to various charities and made a commitment to try and make a difference in the world. She's traveled throughout the United States and now throughout the world talking about mental illness and bullying in children and teenagers. Her philosophy is to engage children and teenagers, to educate them about mental illness and bullying, but also to empower them to develop confidence and skills to continue to move ahead in their own life journey. 
Tracy's a published author and an overall exceptional woman. I'm excited to have you here, Tracy. And as a mother of four, this is a hot topic in my mind right now. Um, Absolutely. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. I am constantly reading disturbing stories about bullying and mental illness with kids. It's all over the news, more and more prevalent. I don't know. Well, you have to tell me your perspective. I don't know if it is actually more prevalent or we just know more about it because of social media and access. But as a mom, you know, it's terrifying. It didn't seem like this when I was younger. What are your thoughts on that? I think for sure it's more prevalent. I mean, I was bullied at school. Um, I know many people that were bullied. But it, it seems like the whole bully definition has changed considerably. And I think the challenge that our kids are dealing with is that you don't just encounter your bully in the schoolyard or in the classroom anymore. You actually get them when you go home and they're on your computer and your phone and your laptop. They can find you anywhere and everywhere. And also the bully doesn't necessarily have to be a fellow classmate. That's what I was wondering. The bully could be an adult Mm-hmm. who is masquerading as a kid. And I think that is the challenge. Also, I think society has changed. I wonder if it's because now the bullies don't have faces. It's so much easier to be mean. I even find that as an adult when we're engaging on social media, Facebook or whatever. It's so much easier to be sort of direct and hurtful and harsh when you're not looking directly at somebody and you can't see that their feelings are hurt or that you've crossed a line. I don't know how much of it is intentional versus um, non-intentional bullying, but yeah, it's easier. And it's terrifying to think of adults masquerading as children to cause harm. Absolutely. And I think there are so many challenges right now uh, with bullying because no one is actually defining what is a bully and what constitutes bullying? Yeah. And it, we've gone from physical to the social media, but mm-hmm. there's so much, there's social bullying, there's religious bullying, there's emotional bullying. It, it's like there's no end right. to it. And we have maybe a generation of parents that are saying, well, I was bullied as a child. Mm-hmm. So you know what? You either go and punch him. Toughen him, up. Right, toughen up or <laughs> go, and, go and punch him in the schoolyard. He won't bully you again. And I've had this discussion, I should say, inverted commas, <laughs> with lots of people yeah. because they say, you know, it, it helps build character. They need to develop a shell, a thicker skin, Ugh. right? And it's like, no, you, you're not understanding. They go for, for want of a better word, they go for the jugular. They, they, they prey on whatever weakness this child or teenager has, whether or not it's body image or they have a parent that is incarcerated or divorced or they have a stammer, they prey on that one weakness and they keep attacking it. And what we have is a generation of bullies that are now uh, a wolf pack mentality. You really will get just one bully 
you'll actually have yeah, the instigator mm-hmm. and then they'll they'll actually bring everyone onto their side. And that's why lots of bullies are actually the cool kids. Um, you know, oh, he's so cool. I want to be on his, you know, on his side. And they also don't want to be bullied themselves. Right. And so they send their group, their pack to do the bullying for them. It's and so, the, you know, they can, they can actually, you know, put their hands up and say, but miss, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah. And this is the challenge that we're now facing. Also, when bullying is taking place, you have the bystanders and mm. a bystander is just as bad as a bully. Absolutely. And it's not, you're right. It's not enough. You can't be a bystander. You have to be an no, upstander. You, you have, have to stand to be up. An upstander. Absolutely. You really have to, because the more people that take a stand and say, this is not appropriate, what you were saying is mean, we will help the victim, we will report this, it takes away the bully's power. Power. Yeah. And that's, and you know, I understand the situation that these kids are in, because they fear that they will then be bullied. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to encourage kids to do is to develop confidence and strategies that they can deflect whatever comes at them. Because what a bully wants, a bully always wants a response. That's a powerful statement. I believe very much that that's true. And I work with my own kids a lot to say, just don't feed it. Even with, no. even with each other, I mean, sibling rivalry and fighting. And I'm like, if you just don't engage with her, and I know that that's not always enough. I know no. that, so I don't mean to generalize. The harm is still done, whether they, if they keep going, but it definitely instigates. If you can just disengage and move away, it, it helps a little bit. Tracy, how did you get into this kind of work? After my book was published, and tell us about your book. What's your book? Escape in the Rabbit Hole, My Journey Through Depression. Okay. The book was published in April 2018. And a couple of weeks later, I was actually invited to a school to give a talk. And the actual premise of my visit was to talk about how to use descriptive language to convey emotions. It was for an English class. Mm-hmm. And the teacher felt that they were having challenges trying to convey an emotion. And because I have a lot of descriptions, like my brain felt like a, a, an erupting volcano and things like that, she thought it may be helpful. So I went to the class and I had taken some blow-up prints. So there's a lot of illustrations in my book. And I had had those in March for the book release party. So I took them with me and I started um, displaying them on the, the blackboard, the easel behind me. And immediately I could hear the tone change because they, they weren't really paying attention to me when I first walked in. You know what kids are like. These, yes. were 15, these were 15-year-old teenagers. But when I started putting all the illustrations behind, it went very quiet. And then I could hear them whispering to one another. Mm. That's how I feel. Oh, my goodness. Oh. That, that's what my mom says she feels like. And everything changed. And I introduced myself and I started talking about my book. And the hands started going up immediately. What did you do 
to feel better? How did you get through your depression? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that. And there was a picture behind and it was a, a stick figure running away from this enormous black cloud, which had hands reaching out of the cloud to kind of grab the person. Okay. And we ended up talking about mental illness and mental health and emotions. And everyone in the class either knew someone who was living with a mental illness or they themselves had one or they knew of a friend or a neighbor or a grandparent. And after the, the, the class, um, they all came up and thanked me and wanted to know where to get my book. And the teacher said to me, oh my goodness, that was so powerful. I didn't realize that there were so many of them that, would, that are dealing with this. Would you like to return to human library? So two weeks later, I returned to their human library, which is the equivalent of um, career day. Okay. You know, and there were all different people from all walks of society sitting at a table and beforehand, all the kids in that school, so it was ages 11 to 15, would have to sign up for 30-minute sessions to talk about a prospective career for them. And so I arrived at my table and I was there as an author, how to write and publish a book. But that's not what they wanted to talk to you about, was it? No, no. no. And so the first group sat down at 8.30, and there was about seven of them, and I started talking about how to write a book. And you know kids, right? They're all looking at one another. <laughs> and I am I can see all this body language, and I stopped and I said, um, you seem confused. Um, is this not why you signed up, could you tell me why you signed up at my table? And one girl finally had the courage and said, because we heard about you from English class, you're the lady that escaped the rabbit hole. And we want to know how you did it. Wow, that gave me chills actually. And so, so it began. Every 30 minutes, I had teenagers sitting down wanting to talk about how I made it, what they could do, how they could help others, where could they go for help. And after each 30-minute session, somebody would always stay behind to come and talk to me privately. Mm-hmm. And two, there were two teenagers that were the pivotal moment where I started this work. One was a 15-year-old girl, absolutely stunningly beautiful, with long red hair, who whispered in my ear, um, I have depression and I have just come home from hospital after attempting suicide for the second time. Mm. And she lifted her arm and just showed me all the self-harm, all the cutting she oh, had that's done. heartbreaking. And then towards the end of the afternoon, there was a 13-year-old boy and he'd been um, very quiet in the, the pre- in the group at the table. And I knew something was going on just with his, his whole presentation and body language. And he seemed so very, very sad. And he came up to me and he was so embarrassed and he was stammering and stuttering. And he said, can I talk to you? And I said, of course you can. How can I help you? And with that, he literally fell into my shoulder, sobbing his heart out and said, oh. I've, been in, I've been in the rabbit hole seven years, one will I escape? Oh, and I actually went and sat with him privately, and had a, a 
conversation with him for about 20 minutes. And after he'd calmed down and he was in a good place and then he left for his next class, I went back in. I was, it was the end of the afternoon and I was collecting my things to leave. And the school counselor came up to me and said, that's not your job. We didn't bring you here to counsel the kids. Oh. And, and I mean, she was actually bullying me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. And I said, threatened by you, which is yeah, yeah. Bad. And I said, excuse me. I said, but when, when they reached out to me because they were in so much pain and they were lost, I said, I am not going to turn around and tell them to go away. I said, I asked them, could I walk them to come and see you, the school counselor? I said, and they all refused. They said they wanted to talk to me because they knew, I knew what they were going through because yeah. I'd been there. And she said, with reference to this 13-year-old boy, well, he's a lost cause. You're wasting your time trying to help him. Oh, and that was that it. Crushes me. That was it. I, uh, I said a few choice words to her, which I, good for you, which I can't repeat. I mean, I didn't swear, but I, I, I very clearly told her what I thought of her attitude and why so many of them were hurting. And I drove home and I cried my eyes out driving home. People must have thought I looked a mess at the traffic stops. And I, I thought, oh, it's just this school. It, it just yeah. must be this school. And I immediately went on my computer and I started doing research and I was just horrified at the statistics and what was going on. And not just in Canada and the United States, but in the UK and Australia. And it's yeah. a global problem. It is yeah, an absolute is. global yeah. epidemic of mental illness, suicide and bullying in our kids. And I told a doctor friend, about my experience, and he said, "That's your cause. That's your yeah. mission, Tracy. Yeah, they they need you, and here I am." Tracy, have you kept in touch with that young boy at all? Has he been back in touch with you? No, he hasn't. But both him and the girl, and actually, lots of them follow me on social media. Okay, so you know they're still with us, then. Oh, absolutely. That. Yeah, that's wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That is fascinating. It sounds to me like your doctor friend is completely on point and, and I believe you've, you now know this and you've dedicated your life to it. Uh, but when other people, that's always an amazing thing for me is when other people see in us something we're not yet aware of on our own. Uh, that's Absolutely. what coaching was like for me. Other people were like, oh no, this is what I need from you. And it took me a moment to catch up. So I love that it found you. The universe is magical mm -hmm. in that way. Uh, talk to us a little bit about deciding to sort of take this work on the road. What have you been doing? I, I believe you're fitness. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me. Finished with most of your your big world tour. But what was that like? And what were your objectives? And maybe share a great story with us. So I think my objective was to just initially I was going to the United States because what I'm finding is. Canada is an, is an amazing country, but they're more followers. They're not necessarily leaders. And mm. if the UK or Australia or the United States does something along the lines of, you know, 
how can we help our kids with mental illness or suicide or bullying? Then they'll adopt it, but they won't actually be the ones to come up in front and say, hey, Tracy, come and talk to us, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So that's why after the book was released and I'd started on this mission and I started to get a really positive response, I thought, okay, maybe I just head down to the States and, you know, just see what a difference I can make. Okay. And, and so I was invited to the teach conference in Florida to give a talk on how the teachers can help their students yep. that, you know, may be dealing with depression or displaying signs and symptoms of mental illness. How can they help them you know, get help and move forward. And so that led to more podcasts. I think you are now my <laughs> 58th podcast. 58th at best. No, Absolutely, because I've waited a long time for yeah. you. Tracy and I tried to do this interview on a number of different occasions. And because of her travels, uh, internet connections haven't been mm-hmm. great. And so I'm glad we're finally pulling it off right now. Amen. Yes. So were you happily received in these? No, no, no. See, I find that fascinating because I think it's such important work. Let's talk about that. It's the, the stigma. React? Okay. It's All right. the stigma, right? They don't want to talk about it. That's shh. Like it's going to go away if we don't. Yeah. If we don't talk about it, then A, it's not really happening. And that then I won't have to deal with it. It was interesting at the TEACH conference when I started talking. People, the teachers really only started to sit up when I started to tell them the the hard reality of suicide. Yeah. And I've mentioned this many, many times um, in my different shows. So fact, like 16 teenagers in the USA will die by suicide today. Oh. 16. But what's even more alarming is 3,041 will attempt suicide today. Where are those numbers coming from? That's from the reports that come from the emergency departments. Oh, my goodness. So 3,041 students, grades 9 through 12, will attempt to die today by suicide. They haven't done statistics on less the lower grades. And they anticipate that we can add probably another thousand to that. That's how scary this is. And this, is, this comes from the CDC in the USA. So let's hypothetically say today over 4,000 children and teenagers, and we now know that children as young as five are dying by suicide. No. Suicide is the second leading cause of death globally in children ages five to 24. So we're starting at five with suicide and that's usually related to bullying. And so just in the USA, we have over 4,000 children that we know of, that we know of that actually went and were received help. There's many, many more that didn't go to the hospital. Right. We know know that. When you share these staggering and startling statistics with teachers, then they perk up in their chairs and they're all of a sudden... Then they perk up. Then when I start explaining what the most common, you know, mental illness that a child or a teenager may have and 
what symptoms, you know, that they could notice and how they can engage them. You know, I would, with the PowerPoint, I would use specific sentences that they could use to ask the the child something that conveys compassion and validation. You have to validate that. Can you share a couple of those with us off the top of your head? It would be something like, you seem unusually sad. You seem sadder than normal the past few days. And I'm, I'm just so, I feel sad because you are sad. Would you, would you like to tell me what's going on? Because I, I really want to help. Okay. And it's that, it's that compassion component of I I notice yeah I I am now reaching out to you and saying you know I feel sad because you seem sad and I I'm hurting I can feel your pain I'm curious I want to dig in I, I absolutely reaching out with compassion saying that you see something that seems abnormal and you want to listen my instinct sort of goes off a little bit when you say I'm sad because you're sad to me somebody with mental health issues I would be afraid that then I'm putting pressure on them like all of a sudden they can't feel however they feel because it's making somebody else sad especially somebody in authority and I absolutely get what you're saying um and I think the way I then how I then expand with them is to say even to speak personally of something yeah yeah, um, I can see that. And so, right. And so then it would be um, something like if, if, if the child has anxiety, you ask to speak to them privately after. Yeah. I think the point that I'm tr- I was trying to make talking to them is um, if, you, if you're noticing that you have a, a, a kid in your class that seems unusually anxious, you don't make a point of calling them out oh, and yeah. making them read in class to help them get over it. Yeah. You meet with them privately and you say something like, I noticed that when I start asking you guys to read a chapter in class that you seem to get really uncomfortable and let's talk about this. Yeah. How can how can I help you? How, you know, what what is it that you're you know is making you uncomfortable yeah. it's taken those first steps and certainly chances are that they unless they've already got maybe a respectful or trusting relationship with mm. you they may right they may not open up at that point but what i kept reinforcing to them was you don't leave it at that one time yep you agree right the next time they're in class you you know you make a point of saying to you know saying to them something that validates them or that shows compassion and that you are available yeah it is it's it's very tactful (laughs) you have to be because you do not form really it is it's that private conversation Mm-hmm. that you have with them that opens the door. And if they actually share something with you, or if you know, if you know, because mom has actually come to you and said, you know, Joe, 
is have taken medication, he's very depressed. Mm-hmm. Then the conversation is how how is today for you? Yeah. Is today better than yesterday? Is it a good day or is this a, a bad day? It's then taking that, that one step further that there'll be that point where they would come and say, I don't feel good today. Can I talk to you? It's asking every kid as they come into class to take a post-it note and write, how am I feeling today, honestly? And to just put that note privately in a box that the teacher can then read later. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Right. That opens the door to communication because then Sarah may have put, I'm very angry. Yeah. She's, she's, she has opened that door. Express something. Yeah. Express something, right? Or how are you feeling today? I am feeling like I can't go on. There's that privacy attached to it that you can then talk to them later. That's another way of trying to open the lines of communication because doing things publicly, they're not going to do it. Um, There was one teacher that said every time the kids came in by their name, they had to put a smiley face or a sad face. Oh, that's awful. And I said, as an adult, that makes me cringe. And I said, but you can't do that because you've, you've already exposed that child has a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. and other kids may then prey on that vulnerability. Yeah. It has to be very confidential yeah. because they have to trust you, and I think that that is the challenge. Yeah. Did you discover that it was the same then when you went to travel in the U.K. as it had been in the States, or was it different in the U.K.? Yeah, it was worse. It was worse. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I was there for two months. It's worse. Yeah. It's worse. Fascinating. So what's the follow-up then? You go to these schools, they give you a hard time because we don't want to talk about it. You work your magic and you maybe crack through with a couple of them. I suppose you don't get through to all of them because that's unrealistic. Then what? Do they do they follow up with you? Like, How do you continue the work once you've sort of woken them up to the awareness and, and the roles that they can play? I think, I think one of the biggest challenges with what I'm doing is that unless they reach out again and let me know how they're doing or somebody lets me know or the school or the church or whatever organization, um, this is, it's it's not a thankless task. It's just you don't know how you've impacted them. Yeah. Right? Um, if If as a nurse, if I counsel you and you come back and say, mama's feeling so much better now, or you've dressed a wound, Mm-hmm. There's a, there is an outcome. Yeah, you can see the outcome. Mm-hmm. With with what I'm doing, the outcome I get is feedback later. I would say most, nearly everybody follows me on social media. That's a good sign. Do they engage with you then in social media? Yes, yes. And then it's it's through private emails. From an adult perspective, because it also impacts yeah, adults as well. From an adult perspective, I've had many family members, parents 
contact me and say thank you. Yeah. You have some programs and webinars and things. I see, I see your stuff around. Uh, tell us a little bit about them and, and not from a sales pitch perspective, not that you would do that, but what is it that you're putting out there and how can people get involved? Is it just for teachers so that anybody oh. who's experiencing this has some, some outlet and, and knows there's support out there? My website is what I call one-stop one shopping. It's not just about me and the book. It's got every single resource for bullying and mental illness in the States, Canada. It's got every single suicide hotline number around the world. But I also have lots of articles. Um, I have a section on my website about bullying and mental illness and suicide in children and teenagers that not only can the kids read, but the parents, the teachers, anyone that just wants to know a little bit more. Right. Now what I'm doing. Real quick though, what is your website? www.tracymaxfield.com. Right. I'm also doing every Monday, I release a YouTube video. I, have an, I now have a YouTube channel, Engage, Educate, Empower. And right now it's I'm talking about the different types of mental illness that children and teenagers can have, um, the effects of social media, drug abuse, bullying. And then I do a a blog post in more detail that accompanies that that's actually posted on my website, and that's every Monday. Um, Then every Thursday I do a live video, and it talks about a topic that's current in the news. I also then share my own journey and how I'm feeling. And then I relate on, you know, relate back then to how we can help children and teenagers. And so the blogs and the videos are for absolutely anybody. I write the blog as an approach to parents. How can you, what can you do if you think your child has depression? What can you do if you think that they have conduct disorder? So it kind of helps them. It empowers them to help educate and empower their children. I'm sure you have lots of great suggestions and advice for parents, but if you could only give one piece of advice for parents in this space, what would it be? Listen. Okay, but so you say that, and I hear you. I'm listening to you. Uh, I would love to listen to my children. They don't talk to me. Show love. So usually I always say, Everyone is so busy in life and kids are so busy with activities and homework. Anyone who's listening to the podcast, I always say, stop what you're doing for one minute, whether or not you're on social media, talking on the phone, TV, whatever. Take one moment out of your life and go and find your children and go and sit with them and hug them, squeeze their shoulder, touch, physical touch, and say, you know what? I'm so proud of you. I know you drive, I know you drive me crazy sometimes. <laughs> and I know, look at this room. Or, oh, oh, perfect. I would say right? I, I get mad sometimes and right? I get frustrated. And yeah. and yeah, and say, you know, and man, you know, it's like, what hair color you got going on now? Eh, but I, who cares? But I, Right. But I want you, but I want you to know I am so proud of you and you are the best thing that has ever happened to me. And I will walk through fire and I love you. 
you have yeah. got to show them and tell them how much they mean to you. I really make an effort and I've always been very conscious of that. I read an article, I think I was pregnant with my first. So this was 15 and a half years ago. A, a woman said, you know, there were a lot of problems in her family and she things weren't always great, but she never doubted for one second that her dad was proud of her because he told her. And that stuck with me. And what I try to do personally is, I mean, there there are countless times in the day where I am frustrated that their room is a mess or that they haven't done their homework or they have a bad attitude or whatever it is. And I'm quick to say, fix this, change this, do this. So for me personally, when I want to emotionally connect with them, I try to leave it at just that. So I will sit down and and I appreciate that. It actually made me weepy. Those of you may have heard it when you said, stop what you're doing, go sit next to them, put your arm around them, put your hand on their shoulder. I, I like physical touch. Not everybody does. I have one kid who definitely doesn't. So I'm careful not to do that with her yeah, but to yeah. say, um, I just want you to know I'm really, I'm really proud of you. And I'm so grateful that I get to be your mother and then leave it at that without the, sometimes I, this, I, but I apologize a lot too, because I get, I screw up because I'm perfectly imperfect and I apologize in the moment, but yeah, that idea of connecting with them, that's a wonderful one. Thank you. Like stop doing and show love. I, I, you have to, because we're, we're so caught up in the world that we sometimes forget and Every single child and teenager that attempted suicide and lived has said they thought the world would be better off without them and that no one loved them. And so what would be the point of living? And that is so sad because every single person in the world, more so every single child and teenager is worthy of love and has value. Yeah. And yeah. They they must hear it more often. They really must. And you know, some parents have said, Yeah, but you know, he pushes me away and he says, Get the heck out of my bedroom and you know what what's going on? What's going on? And I said, Yes, they will, because part of them is that inherent, you know, I'm an I'm an adult um, and I'm independent so and I'm deep don't, in that right now. Right. Torture. And I said, <laughs> But you but you don't know as soon as you've walked away there's that little warmth that's right there Mm. because every single person wants to know that they're loved and cared for and valued in the world and they'll carry on you know and they may say to their friends oh you know my mom again you know has to come and give me a hug but deep down there's that Thank you for that little gift. My my mom loves me. I'm parenting these teenagers and they push me. Absolutely. um, It's been a difficult several weeks, maybe even months. And I I feel irrelevant. I feel unnecessary. And then sometimes I find myself behaving like the petulant child where, fine, well, then I won't ask. I won't. I'll just... I'll just keep my distance. You come to me if you want to come to me because I'm hurt. And yes. I, I, when we're hurt, we often want to lash out. And Absolutely. your gift to me just now is like, get over yourself, Heather, because you're the adult and you're the parent and your job. Yeah, it does hurt, but I, I still have to keep playing my role. And 
So yeah, I'm like super weepy. It's been an emotional week. So thank you for that reminder that I still count, even if they don't tell me I count and other parents out there. Absolutely. Do without a shadow of a doubt. So to bring this full circle, it's not about me and it's not about parents. Although I believe that, that this was a really powerful conversation because parenting is difficult. Parenting children who are being bullied or facing depression or mental illness is extra difficult. And sometimes, well, often we don't know what the hell we're doing. And sometimes we want to quit or give up. And so this level of knowing that you matter and that you can mm-hmm. positively affect your child's life is such a big, big deal. What's next for you, Tracy? What are your upcoming plans? How are you planning to touch the lives of these children and teenagers and their families next? I'm heading back to the United States. I've got some book signings. I'm meeting with a mayor and legislator in Kansas. Also, I'm going to be in Toronto. And as you know, it's Bullying Prevention Month. So I'll be in Ohio. And actually, at the my book is up for an award. So congratulations. Yeah, I'll be in Ohio at the award ceremony. I love that you just reminded me to remind everybody we've intentionally aired this episode in bullying prevention month. Stop bullying month. Um, how can our listeners get involved and make a difference? Obviously, we want to do this always. But within this particular month, what can we do? The first thing you want to do is you want to support the Pink Shirt Day. What is the Pink Shirt Day? So Pink Shirt Day is a day in November. Um, it's usually the first Wednesday and every single child and teenager wear a pink shirt to stop bullying. Okay. All right. Good to know. Also, whatever country you're in, whatever state or province, they may have their own obviously activities. But uh, the first thing I would encourage you to do is actually go to your school and ask them, what is your bullying prevention process? Where is it displayed? Because it should be displayed throughout the school. And what is it that you do when somebody reports bullying? So that should be discussed at PTA meetings. But that's the very first step. And also it's talk to your kids. Yeah. We know that there's going to be an awful lot on social media about bullying prevention and stop bullying. But that would be an opportune moment. Also, let's start talking to our kids about does bullying happen at school an awful lot? Do you any of your friends or are you being bullied? It opens the door to then discussing how to be an upstander, not a bystander. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate that. How do you celebrate success, which is such a difficult topic? We always talk about celebration on this show when you feel like you've cracked through with a, a teacher or a parent or a student and they come to you. What are the ways that you honor those successes and celebrate them? I journal them. I express gratitude. I love that. Because expressing gratitude is what moved me from the darkness in the rabbit hole back into the light. I love that you just said that. And propelled me onto this new life journey. It keeps me mindful. Life is too short. And 
we need to be a kinder, more compassionate, understanding society. Yeah. And so whenever I actually, perfectly honest, whenever I get an email or a phone call or a message that what I've done is help somebody, I actually cry. Oh, I love that. Crying can be such a healthy therapeutic thing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I cry because it it touches at the heart and soul yeah. of, of what I want to do, that I've actually reached someone. Because as I said earlier, sometimes you don't know if your words, your work, yeah. your appearance has made a difference. Yeah. And then I express gratitude and I, I journal it and write it down because in the moments when I feel I, I can't keep doing this, yeah. I'm not making any headway, I go back and read them and it's, but you have made a difference. And at the end of the day, it's, if you can, if you've made a difference in one person's life, then you've made a big difference. Absolutely. So uh, we could keep talking about this forever because I yes. think doing is so important, but we have a limited amount of time on the show. So we do have to get to, to wrapping it up. And I would love to know from you what your favorite charitable organization is to support and how our listeners can get involved. I have many, but I, I do support, and I am a member of NAMI, the National Association of Mental Illness. Yeah. And that's all across the United States. They offer support groups, counseling, telephone consultations. You just key in NAMI. It's a great organization because it helps children right through to the adults. Wonderful. So go check them out. They'll be our charity of the week. And if you have time, money to give, do that. Otherwise, just share it. Share it maybe on your Facebook page or your social media feed so that somebody who needs it knows that it's out there and they can access it. Tracy, would you share your three words with us one last time? It was inspiring, hopeful, and surreal. Just very, very quickly, let's talk ba touch base on, on surreal. What about your story do you feel is surreal? Because of what happened to me, the workplace bullying, having the major depressive episode, falling down the rabbit hole, and then being able to find my way out over time and recognizing that what happened to me was actually a gift mm. wow. and has given me a new purpose in life. And as much as I would not like to go through it again, I would never trade it. I love that you said that. And I, I honor that. And you, there have been many things in my life coming out as one of them. And people say, oh, do you wish you'd come out earlier? I was 38 when I came out. And much like you, uh, I wouldn't change a thing because I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't have my kids. So Absolutely. I thank you for sharing that gift. We're going to link to your book uh, and your website. So everybody wants to check it out. It is a, a wonderful, engaging read that can, can touch your life and can help a lot of people. So Tracy, thank you so much for being here and sharing your work and your story with us. Thank you so much. Oh, listeners, a couple things. I want to let you know that um, my producers just sent me a little note and Pink Shirt Awareness Day, which Tracy mentioned, um, has already happened here in 2019, but it's going to be on April 8th, 2020. So this, this month, October is Bullying Prevention Month, uh, but get ready for Pink Shirt Awareness Day and plan on that for April 8th. And, you know, I love that Tracy, I did not I did not plant her to talk about her gratitude journal. But 
if you are touched by that, if you're interested or intrigued, remember, I wrote a gratitude journal. You can check it out. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. It really does. Everything Tracy said is completely on point there. Journaling about what you're grateful for gets you through some of the most difficult things in life, and it helps you reconnect with beauty and joy in everyday moments, as well as those big, exciting ones. We love sharing these stories with you. Having you here with us, having these extraordinary guests like Tracy is what gets us excited day after day, week after week. And we are trying to build a movement of bravery and we want you to join us. So would you consider join us on Patreon? And for as little as $4 a month, you can help us take this work bigger. We can do some live shows. We can give more to charity. We can bring more awareness around the power of choosing bravely. Please visit Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Brave Files. Take a look at that. There's some fun swag. Uh, so it doesn't just have to be supporting us for the sake of supporting us. You can get some cool things out of it. But please, please join our brave community and our brave movement. We need your help so we can grow and do amazing things. Last but not least, tell me what you think. I want to hear how the show is connecting with you and what you think of it. You can give me a call at 312-646-0205. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to share next week's episode with you. I'm so grateful to Tracy for being here and sharing her story. This is Heather Vickery reminding you today and always to choose bravely. Today's show was brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash thebravefiles and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title of your choice for free and start listening. It's that simple. Just head to audiotrial.com slash thebravefiles. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes, or get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we'd love to know what you think. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery & Co. Success Coaching, coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music is produced by Matt Lewis. Follow him on Instagram at mattmmusic or visit his website, theunionband.com. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to our associate producer, Kim Statler. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.